Great. So, uh, today, like I said, we get to conclude the series that we've started uh, four weeks uh, ago right now. And by the way, welcome back, Bill. Good to see you back. <laughs> and welcome back to Greg and Bethany as well. They were in a... Where were you again? <laughs> Netherlands? Yeah, welcome back. So, yeah, um, the first week we talked about the two sides of unity. Um, that is, uh, on the one hand, Paul tells us in uh, Ephesians 4 that God unites us together. doesn't matter where we come from. And then, but the other side of unity is that um, we get to maintain our unity. It is our collective responsibility to maintain that unity by being humble, being patient, being gentle, and uh, making allowance for each other's faults. Then the following Sunday, um, we kind of just talked about the beauty of diversity. We went to um, 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul was talking about the body. He used the human body to tell us a deeper truth about who we are as the body of Christ. And it helped us to understand that every one of us, we are important and we are needed, even though we are all different. And also that each part depends on each other, and each part cares for each other, so that our diversity need not um, tear us apart. It's actually about bringing us together. It's a gift that when we begin to see um, how God has gifted each one of us differently, um, we can appreciate more the, the blessings and the goodness of God and work together that way. And then last week, we returned back to Ephesians 4, and where we talked about the fact that we all get to do ministry that each one of us is gifted by Jesus, and we can equip, and we can do ministry within and outside the church. And Paul kind of painted this amazing picture for us about what that looks like um, and when that begins uh, to, to happen. And so that's all we talked about. So today, I'm rounding up this series, and I just want to talk on two practical things. So first, I want to talk about our gifts, how to discover gifts, how to develop, and how to deploy them. And then the second thing I want to do is to um, just talk briefly about the five gifts that Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, kind of describing what they are. Now, last week we were all encouraged to do a test. Did anybody remember to do that? Okay, good. So um, we're going to just see how that plays out when we get there. And uh, if you don't know what yours are, you'll have it here. Maybe by the end of the service, you'll, you'll have an idea. So I'm going to start with the first part that I want to talk about. Um, let's talk about discovering our gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, when it comes to discovering our gifts, I think the very first thing to think about is to orient ourselves to orient ourselves to this truth that Jesus has gifted you. Like I said last week, um, that you don't know you have a gift doesn't necessarily mean you don't, you don't have it. It means you have to discover it. Because Jesus said, I am pretty sure that you made the least of all the people I called that I gave gifts to. Jesus tells us that he does that for us. Now, the reason I'm kind of stressing this part is because 
Uh, it's possible, and that happened for me too, that many of us grew up in church settings where we didn't talk about gifts or ministry, the way Paul is kind of explaining to us here uh, in, in Ephesians. And I remember growing up in, in the church setting way um, uh, back then, I, I think I was like 10 years old, um, my church back then was, was, a, was a chapel of a theological college. So it was actually meant for the students. And I remember back then it was, it was like a one-hour service led by the pastors who were actually the lecturers of the church and some of the uh, missionaries that um, started our uh, denomination back then. It used to be one-hour service, organ, sing hymns, they preach, and everybody's out. And that was all that was happening. Until a young man came um, from Canada. His name is Olu Peters. Some of you know him. He's my um, parent here in Canada, guardian parent. And uh, he studied here in Canada and then came to Nigeria. And then he was lecturing in that chapel. And uh, eventually he became the pastor and he just blew the roof off. Because he started inviting different speakers to come and speak. He started talking about the gifts of the Spirit and some of all these theological people were like, oh, no, 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 you don't do that here. But people were being blessed and lives were being changed. He started um, a ministration team, kind of like a prayer team. He trained them for deliverance, for, for, uh, for healing. Um, he, he got some other people in church who were who he saw gifts in them, and he called them lay pastors, started training them. And those ones eventually became um, pastors, and eventually he, the church grew to like about 2,000. And we're having two services. And then he thought, well, you know what, let's start another church somewhere in town. And one of the people he got to train became the pastor of that one. And uh, they also said again, you know what, the education system in Nigeria is not really that great. Should we start a, like a school? So that is how he got some other people gifted in church, in administration, in all those kind of things, and got them together, got permit from the, uh, from the government to start a school, and they started a high school, and it's a big one today. And then the government of Nigeria decided to create more states in the country, like provinces here, and uh, <clears throat> some of the, in, some of, in one of the province states that they started, some people from my state had to go, and they were attending our church. And it was like, so should we let them just go? So they went to plant another church there. And it was just, it was just going. So, but it started with just this straight service, just come to church. And until he just, he just, God just helped him to blow that off and to help people to begin to grow. So that's the sense in which Paul is kind of talking about here. And that, that church is meant to be bigger than what we normally think it, it, it is. Each one of us is gifted to do ministry. And like I said last week, that is not just about using our musical gifts here or setting up and taking down or um, helping with the kids or greeting. And thanks for showing up this morning to do it. It means you are not angry with me last week for talking about that. But I'm saying that there is more. There is more. And so the first step is to, about discovering our gifts is to, first of all, if you don't know this, to orient yourself that God has gifted you. That you have to switch from, like, I don't have a gift, or like, I don't even believe this, 
to like, if Jesus says I have a gift, then I have a gift because he says so. And then you begin to explore it from that. Because if you don't, then all we're doing is that we're arguing and trying to support our own belief against what God says about us. If God says, I am for you, it means it's for you. If God says, I have gifted you and blessed you in this way, it means he has. He's not joking with you. It just means we have to discover it. So if the first thing is about discovery, about discovery is shifting our thinking, then the next thing is to start exploring this truth that Jesus has given you a gift. Like, one way to do that is to do the gift testing. It's not the best way, but at least it gives you a snapshot. But another thing you can do is to ask yourself these uh, three questions. So, what am I good at? What are you good at? What, are you good at caring for people? Are you good at starting something? Are you that kind of a person that is, so per, that is perceptive, that you, you have a different way of looking at things, and, and, and that just comes natural to you? That's an indication of your gift. And then the second thing, what are you passionate about? What is one thing that you love to see that if you don't see it, it kind of makes you angry? See, like I was demonstrating with Andrew uh, last week when I, he pretended to have this gift of um, evangelism, but he didn't know and he was so passionate about it. And it was, <clears throat> see, that is how you know. What are you passionate about? And then the last one, what has, how, what has other people noticed or said about you? How have they affirmed you? When they see you doing things, what do they say to you? Like, for example, if you love caring for people, it's like people tell you, you know what, the way you just listen and, and take time with people, I can't do that, but I just appreciate that in you. That's telling of your gift. So a combination of all these three questions helps you to know what your gift is. So moving on, not only do we get to discover our gifts, we also get to develop our gift as well. You see, when we're talking about our gifts that God gave us, we get it in, in a very raw form. It's raw. It's not developed yet. And that is why we need to develop it. Developing your gift is about realizing the potential of what you could do with it. It's about studying, um, using it in small settings to see what you can do. It's about expanding, extending, and building it up until it becomes this really useful and, and, and big thing. And you see, another thing when it comes to development is this. See, you don't pray or just pray to develop your gift. So you, you have to apply effort. So if somebody comes to me, for example, and says to Yossi, you know what, I think I have the gift of, I think God has blessed me with this gift. I just like caring for people. I think it's this pastor type thing. Can you pray for me that I use it? I will say no. You know why? Because what you need to do first, go, I will say, go and look for somebody to care for, somebody that likes you, and just start using it. And then if you come back to me and say, wow, this is really good, I'm enjoying it, then I'll say, now go and look for people who don't like you. People who you don't like and start caring for them. Because by the time you start doing that, you now recognize, ooh, I am so incompetent. That is when you need prayer. 
Because then that is when you are humbled and, and God is able, and you now pray and say, God, if, you give it, if you've given me this thing, then you really have to help me. Because you come to the end of yourself. And that's when you need somebody else to help you as well. And also, when it comes to developing our gift, that you try something out and you failed doesn't mean that you didn't have it. Failure is part of development. Failure is not your enemy. Failure is your friend. Because that is how you begin to understand, like, this thing is not really about me. It's about God in me, and I just need to find a way to work it out and to start growing it. So, for example, for me, I, I think I tend to be more on the pastor-teacher thing side, and I just remember growing up, like some of our young people here, like 10, 12, like always having this love for just reading and discovering new things and, and studying. And when it came to the um, Bible, we, I just loved memorizing it and, and all that. But I didn't know what that was all good for. I just thought, mm, okay, it's a good thing to do that. But then fast forward um, um, uh, many years, um, I got to, to teach or to just do Bible study in our youth group. And then fast forward all these years, I'm coming here to Canada and uh, I'm learning, I mean, going to Bible school here and also uh, doing some, um, uh, some master's degree and then ending up here at the journey. And I still remember the first time I preached here at the journey was back at Blueville. It was a summer of 2005. And uh, it was, I was speaking on something about um, celebrating different cultures and I wrote this sermon and I showed Adrian. <laughs> and uh, Adrian just took all my manuscripts, you know, like a teacher, <laughs> started writing on it. He moved a lot of things around, said, say this this way, don't say that, say it this way. It's like, hey, leave my notes alone, man. Let me just do what I, what I want to do. <laughs> but then I, I talked that day, and I thought it went well, and every once in a while I got to, to just do that. And I'm just thinking, many of you who knew me back then, you, were just, you endured my preaching and teaching. Thanks for doing that a lot. And uh, so, as time grew on, and Andrew too came, and uh, so let me just confess to you, I had this love-hate relationship with preaching and teaching. I enjoyed the study and just getting all the facts and things together, but when it came to putting it together, oh man, I, I didn't, I couldn't do that. Because I had too many things to say. I only have 30 minutes to talk. Or other times, I just have this one thing that I think I should say. It's only 10 minutes. What else will I say? So it was always this, it was just crazy. But then Andrew came, and then I will look at Andrew and the way he wrote his stuff. He never writes things like this. He just, like five, four or five pages of like points. And when I see his points, I can say, I can actually preach your message. Can I preach it, please? Because he had a way of figuring things out in a, in a very unique way. Eventually, I had to ask him, Andrew, can you please teach me? Show me. And he started grooming me, helping me, showing me different things that I could learn, and I started using it. And also, I, I just listened to all kinds of people I can hear and just learn how they taught, how they used stories, and why did they use that story, and why did they say it the way they said it, and how they connected with the audience, and it was like, 
I was, okay, so this is how to do it. And then I just started developing myself that way. So that is how you develop. Development is about using, it's about effort, putting yourself to task, finding every way you can to, to, to grow yourself in that gift. And so the third thing that I want to say this morning is about deployment. So you get to discover your gift and uh, uh, develop it, and then you deploy it to do ministry. Ministry is about bringing the love and grace and mercy of Jesus to people in a way that draws them to Jesus. And so kind of what, you, what really happens with these um, three things is, is like this. Discovery, uh, development, and <clears throat> And, de- and deployment kind of work together. It's not as if you, you get to discover, and then you finish that part, and then you develop, and you finish that part, and then you deploy. They all work together. You develop, you get to, you get to understand your gift, you discover it, and then you, you develop it, and you deploy it, then you learn something new. Then you go back, oh, I've discovered something else about this gift. Um, how can I use it? How can I develop it? And then how can I de- deploy it? And then you, it's like this back and forth thing. Because by the time you start doing that, that is how you get confident. And you, you are gradually increasing and using um, and your gift well, that way. And that is what you see, for example, in Scripture with Peter, with Jesus' interaction with Peter. When Jesus first met Peter, Peter had, he didn't even know what he was. He was. He just thought, oh, I'm a fisher of man. And then one day in Luke chapter 6, Jesus saw him and told Peter, cast your net. And Peter said, no, I'm not going to do that because it's at night. Who catches fish at night? And Jesus said, throw your net again. Peter said, no, I'm not going to do it. Jesus said again, throw your net. And Peter said, okay, just so that you leave me alone, I'll do it. And Peter threw his net, and he was trying to catch it. He was trying to pull the net. He couldn't pull it. And he calls John, John, come over here. And both of them are trying to pull it, and they're looking at each other. We need more help. Andrew, where are you? Andrew, come here. No, no, just stay there. Pull this thing. And eventually, they couldn't pull it. And, and they called each other, and eventually they got it out, and Peter was like, Jesus, leave me alone. I am a sinner. And Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of man. Follow me. And then over time, they had this encounter with Jesus again where Jesus was asking. He said, uh, who do people say that, that I am? And they were mentioning that. And then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Son of God, Messiah. And Jesus said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you but my Father. And I will build my kingdom and the gates of hate will not prevail against it. He built and Jesus talked about it. He said, Peter, you are the rock. Upon this revelation, I am building my church. Peter again got to understand what this is about. And he said, Jesus, I'll follow you. And then Jesus will take them out, and they will heal people. They will preach the gospel. He will send them out. They were developing their gift that way. And then eventually Jesus was going to die, and Peter said, I'm going to follow you. But eventually he denied Jesus, and he went back to fishing. Because that's all he knew. But Jesus came back and restored him. And he said, do you, Peter, do you love me? He said, sure, then feed my sheep. Then Acts chapter 2 comes, and the Spirit of God comes, and something just burst out in Peter. And he began to preach, and thousands of people just come, come to faith. Because Jesus has helped him to develop and grow, to discover, to develop, 
and to deploy his gift. And I think that's one thing we all get to figure out to do here together as a journey. So that ends my first part. Now I want to move on and talk about the five, I mean, the five gifts that are mentioned in, uh, in Ephesians um, and just talk about that. But before we go there, I want to say this. Every one of us, we are a complex, multifaceted human beings who are children of God. And by that, all I'm saying is this. Just because you get to function as an evangelist, for example, doesn't mean you can't do well as a pastor or as a, or as a teacher. Because it's not like one size fits all. That's not how we are as, as human beings. And it's actually good to learn from, if, like if I'm an evangelist, to learn something of somebody who is functions in like an apostolate. Because then you begin to understand them well and how, why they behave the way they behave or somebody that is a prophetic in, in, in that sense. Because it is as we learn that way um, that we build each other up and care for each other and uh, understand each other. Because the gifts were meant to bring us together and not to not to tear us apart. So this kind of looks, in, for many people, it, it looks uh, different ways. So having said that, I want to just go through the, um, this uh, chart that we have. Um, everything I'm going to say from now on is from a guy called Mike Brain. He wrote a book called Building, Discipli- Building a Discipline uh, Culture. So again, is, did anybody, who are the people that did the test? Okay? Okay, so what I'm going to be doing now we want to kind of identify who we are here. So I'm going to talk about each one of these uh, gifts, describe them, and I'll be asking, so who is who? So, let, let us, so that we, we, have, we, we can see what, what we have here. So let's start with the first one, apostle. So these are people who, anybody feel that they're this way? You are? Okay. Where is Chris? Chris is not here. Chris Brown. Chris Brown, Chris Brown is this kind of a person. See, they are visionary people, pioneering people. They love to push for new territory. Because Bible examples are Jesus, the apostles, and Paul. And like I said last week, Adrian and Andrew, that's who they were. See, these kind of people enjoy dreaming and doing new things and, cha- and like challenging tasks. I mean, the secular examples are you have like entrepreneurs, people like to start new things and explore us. Now, the, the core question that um, apostles ask is this Are we leading the people of God to their destiny? Are we taking them somewhere? And then, of course, the characteristic of like an immature apostolic type that is, that's a person whose gift is still raw. Is that they, wanna, they have all these ideas and they just keep on trying it out without really settling for one and actually trying to build it up. So does anybody feel that they're like this? Again, apart from Ray, you think you're like that? Okay, good. <clears throat> so what then you need to do is to start exploring how you can develop this and make it bigger. So the next one is a prophet. See, these people, they hear and listen to God. Every one of us need to do that. But these are people, they just have a natural ability to do this. I mean, they have this ability to stand back and get a, play, a clear picture of what is happening and see creative solutions 
for situations others don't see. They just have that ability. So a biblical example is Jesus. Jesus functioned in all this. And then you have uh, Anna and then Simeon. And then you have uh, Philip's daughter. Remember we talked about Philip last week? His daughters were actually uh, uh, prophets. Now, secular examples are the creative types. Musicians that, that speak their mind or like people that just, they look at culture and they're able to create critique it and, and tell you different things that other people may not see. They use their perceptions to do that. Now, the core question that people of God, the core question for a prophet is this, are the people of God hearing his voice and responding appropriately? Now, a person who, who, is, who, is, who functions this way, um, who is immature, is a, can be proud because the gift is still raw. It's like they want to they wanna tell you what God is saying, and it's like, God says this, you must do it. No, a mature prophet will say, here's what I sense God is saying to me. I'm just offering it for you to interpret, for you to, to, to see if this is true or, or not. So again, anybody feel like the prophetic here? <laughs> Linda, I know for sure you are. <laughs> Um, Joyce, let me see your hands again. See? See, you need to learn to grow your gift. Oh, and I see, oh yeah. Did you raise your hand, Sharon? Great. Note each other, okay? Note each other. And then the next one is the evangelist. See this one, the, anybody think they're this evangelist type? Yeah? <laughs> okay. Um, so they bring the good news, and they, and they love being with, un, with non-believers. Again, biblical example is Jesus. Um, Philip was another example of this. See, people like this, they enjoy gathering people and sharing the gospel um, um, with people. A big example we know is Billy Graham. Everybody knows that. Um, there's another guy, um, Ravi Zacharias. He's an apologist. He goes to secular institutions and helps and helps to defend the Christian faith among all these other worldviews. And that just reaches a lot of, of people like that. Um, like, Emily is that, Emily is that kind of person. Can I tell you a cool story about Emily? In relation to these um, friends of ours, Emily just walking on the street one day, and she met a Dolapo. She didn't know who she was. She just, okay, this is a new person with a, with a kid. That's what Emily will do, just walk up to people and just start talking. And uh, she asked Dolakwe, said, like, you're new here? She said, yes. She said, oh, are you Nigerian? She said, oh, how did you know? She said, because you have a similar accent to my co-worker, to Yossi. And I was like, really? And that's how she invited them to, uh, to come here. That's what evangelists do. You don't have to be one that carries a megaphone. Some people do that. You can just walk up to people. They, just, they have that sense of just being with people. Secular examples are salespeople and politicians. See, if you're a salesperson, this should almost come naturally to you because you just have to take your sales skill, ground, I mean, know who you are in Christ and use that to, to sell the gospel to people. Show them who God is. So the core question that an evangelist asks is this, are new people entering the kingdom of God? And an immature evangelist, somebody whose gift is still raw, they just get to, once they get somebody to the kingdom, they just, 
leave them alone and, and go. No, you have to learn to disciple them a bit, at least before you, before you leave them alone. So anybody else here? Evangelist? Type there. Okay, you see that too? Okay. Oh, I see you. Okay. Um, so um, the next one is a pastor. Pastors love to care for people. They have a tender heart, and they spend most of their time with other Christians. So biblical example again is, is Jesus. He's always there. And uh, Okay, so anybody here thinks they're a pastor? Okay? Okay, great. See, the, the a biblical example is, is Jesus and, and Barnabas. You know, there's this cool, cool story about Barnabas in the Bible. Barnabas was the one that helped all the believers um, accept Paul. Because if you know the story of Paul, Paul used to be a terrorist, killing people. But then when he became a, a believer, all the other Christians were so afraid of him because he, they thought that he only became a believer as a way to trick them so that he can get them. But it was Barnabas who kind of went to Paul and kind of understood that and, and what God has been doing in his life. And he went to all the other apostles and said, you know what, Paul has a tender heart now. He's not the kind of person you knew him to be. Because, and then Barnabas helped um, all the other apostles accept who Paul was. That's a person with a tender heart. In fact, Barnabas, his, his nickname was Son of Encouragement. So secular examples of this kind of people are, are counselors, caregivers, See, again, you just have to know how to take all your counseling skills, knowing who you are in Christ, and using that to help care for people and pastor them that way. The core question that this kind of people ask is this, are the people of God caring for and showing compassion for people? Now, an immature pastor one that, whose gift is still raw, one of the characteristics is, is that they, they lack the confidence to push and challenge people to grow. They're always like inviting people, inviting people, listening to, to their woes, to, to their sorrows, but they don't have this ability yet to be able to challenge them and say, do you know that you can do something with this? Do you, how is God really calling you to grow in this area? So that's, and that's what... Um, that's a characteristic of an immature uh, 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 pastor. So the last one, the teacher. Anybody think they're teachers here? See? See, teachers look for ways to explain and enlighten and apply the truth of God's Word. Again, Jesus is a great example, and Apollos um, in the Bible. They enjoy reading and studying the Bible and helping other people to understand it. Second examples, again, are the lecturers or, or school teachers. And the core question teachers ask is this. Are the people of God immersing themselves in Scripture and living it out? And the example of an immature uh, teacher is they're just proud of the knowledge they have. And they don't know how to use it. They, instead of using that knowledge to build people up, they kind of use, hey, I know. I'm the one that knows. They, they want to correct everybody else as if everybody else is wrong. But it's only because that gift um, is, is still raw in them. So, if you are gifted in any of these ways, just begin to try and use it, develop it. Now, there's something I want us to note. 
about these gifts. Um, the apostolic, the prophetic, and the evangelist type, they tend to be the pioneers. The ones that say, you know what, um, they focus on outside of the local church. They are activists. They're always doing something, starting something. They like to stir things up and move people forward because that's who they are. And then the pastors and teachers tend to be the developers. They are the ones that tend to focus within um, the, 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 the local church to care for people and nurture people. So like even, for example, last two Saturdays when we were talking, you could see some of the things coming out. Some people were saying part of how God has gifted the journey is that we get to do things outside and, and bless other people that way and, and start new things and work. But then other people were saying part of how God has gifted the journey was is all this, like, we have young families. We need to care for them. We, we need to help our families, our kids to grow. Those are the pastors kind of talking. Now, but now see this. If all we have as a church are the pioneering types, what that means is that everybody is just doing different things outside. It's kind of like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, if the whole body were an eye, how will you hear? If the whole body, if all of us here are just the pioneering types, then how do we care for one another? The reverse is true as well. If the, all of us here are like the pastor-teacher types that we get to develop, all we'll be doing is like caring for each other. Let's just stay together. There's nothing, nobody's really reaching out. That is why we need all these gifts. Because the way God designed us is that he gifted each one of us differently, individually, not to tear each other apart, but to bring us all together. So that we need people who are constantly challenging us. What are we doing to help other people? While at the same time, we need people challenging us and saying, you know what, how are we caring for each other? Because that is the body, and we need to kind of figure that out. And so you see in the Bible, sometimes like Paul, Paul, will, Paul always started different things because he was the apostolic type. But then he will stay in those places for like two or three years, and then he will send people like Timothy, who are the pastors, and Titus. And that's where you, you see Paul writing about um, in First Timothy and Second Timothy and Titus about developing a local assembly. That's where he talks about... Um, elders and bishops and all that, because he's trying to tell Timothy, now grow everything that, you, that I have started, because you get to be a part of this as well. So the vision that Paul is painting for us here in Ephesians is one where we are all gifted differently, and we need to equip each other to do the work of ministry. So what will happen, for example, if we all get to discover our gifts, develop them and grow them and deploy them? We are going to create a whole body of Christ in this local assembly that is united in Christ, gifted in Christ, and discipling each other in the ways of Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Find out how God has gifted you. I know I only talked about five, but there are other ones that Paul talks about um, as well. Develop it and grow it and deploy it. And so this morning as I close, 
I just want to read for us again the whole chapter of Ephesians 4 and how this all comes together. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father over all, who is over all in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of you a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why he says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can you see how Paul is bringing this together? He says, on the one hand, be mindful of your character. Love one another. Be humble with one another. Because Paul knows, Paul knows he's talking to human beings who are sinners, who are just learning the ways of Jesus. He says, be humble, be gentle. But on the other hand, he's saying, you have all been gifted. Use your gifts. If all we have is character and we don't have gifts, it's kind of like being on the music team. You have a good person that loves people but doesn't know how to sing. That's not helpful. If all we have, again, is a bunch of people with lots of good gifts and no character, using the music analogy again, all we have is somebody that is a gift, gifted pianist who is just irritating everybody because they haven't learned character. So Paul is saying, lead a life worthy of your calling. Remember the one who has called you and grow in your character. Lead a life worthy of your calling. Remember the one that has gifted you and develop your gifts. And when you do this together, you bring these two together, you form a community of love. 
where the grace and love and mercy of God is flowing, where ministry is happening, where we are caring for each other as well as spreading out our wings and speaking the truth in love to many other people who are yet to know Jesus. May God help us. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share your word this past four weeks and to just encourage every one of us. Lord, you know what you're saying into our hearts, and I just say, Lord, um, speak this truth into us in ways that we can understand and, and receive. And uh, just help us to keep growing in you, to keep loving in you, and to, and to let off all of everything that you have said we are, everything that you are renewing in us, to let it come out. And let us, let us begin to show the beauty and the grace and the love of Christ to one another and to people who in our neighborhoods and, and other places who are yet to know you. You are the one that called us. You are the one that brought us together. And you are the one that is able to keep us. You are the one who is able to also equip us and to guide us so, Father, we just surrender to you. Continue to lead and direct your people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.